glad we're all here. All right. It's nice to get a week off. Uh, and it's good to be back with you. Uh, hopefully you allowed that extra week of rest and mercy to uh, be fully informed for Revelation today. So I hope you're uh, excited to, to get into Revelation chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Revelation uh, chapter 10. We did the first four verses. I'll reread this chapter, however, uh, and then we'll be primarily diving into uh, verses 5 through 7 for our uh, time today. Revelation chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it and earth and what is in it and sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. But that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. And so with your two weeks, you've got all the answers. Looking forward to you shedding light on that whole chapter to me. Uh, You might remember when we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, we saw those first four verses, an interesting beginning that you have the uh, angel who appears and there are these seven thunders and this is the one seven that we don't get information about, the seven thunders sound and here's John ready to go and he's going to write down everything and, and, and you have God go, no, no. Uh, one thing that is not going to be revealed is whatever these seven thunders have said. That stays concealed. Whatever information is there uh, stay, stays behind in regards to that. But one of the things that I think is interesting, and, and I had that you would look at uh, Daniel chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 10 in terms of comparing and contrasting uh, the events that, that take place between the two. Uh, you have here this this mighty angel who has a scroll, and he takes takes his 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 stand. Let me get to where we are. This this first part is what we talked about uh, two two weeks ago, and you'll notice that you have the angel then who is the focal point in verses five through seven. After you get the description of him in verses one and two, of having this little scroll and taking his stand on the sea and on the land. You'll notice in Revelation 10 verses 5 through 7, you get a description of what uh, the angel is doing. So what does the angel say about what's going on here? All right, so he takes this oath in verse 6, he's raising his hand in verse 5, swears by him 
who lives forever and ever. And he says there's not going to be any more delay. Okay, so when are the things that we have been reading about and seeing and he's taking an oath about, when does he say these things are going to happen? All right, when this seventh angel blows this trumpet then that's going to be, and I want you to notice the term terminology that, that's given there. Verse 7 says, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. All right, let's take on that idea for a minute. If, if God starts saying there's something that's a mystery, how should we understand that? Does that mean that there's something mysterious? Because that's often how we, you know, if you were kid like me you grew up with scooby-doo with the mystery machine and so mysteries were always mysterious and strange and weird and you know uh ghostly and all of that when when god says mystery what are we talking about julie well that made me remind of uh, that reminded me of ephesians 3 6 okay right right all right. So when God starts talking about a mystery, all that he means is there was something that was concealed in the past that had not been readily known. That's all that mystery is. So here is God concealing or holding back information. And so thus we would use the term mystery, but it doesn't mean it's mysterious or ghostly or phantom like or something like that. It just Something in the past has been concealed and now is being fulfilled or revealed. And that you see there in verse 7, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. Now, that would make a lot of sense because when we came into the book of Revelation, we saw in Revelation 5 that we have this scroll that has all of these seals on it. Nobody's able to open the scroll, right? Until we see the lamb who is worthy to open the scroll. And we've been now getting an unveiling of the information that has been previously hidden. In fact, we spent in our first couple of classes when we started the book, those first three verses of chapter one. And the first couple of words are the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the mystery, not the hidden, not the concealing, but this is now the unveiling, the revealing of things that had been hidden. Now, the reason why I think that's important is you'll notice not only is he called a mystery, but who's been who's been describing this information according to verse seven? Has this been spoken about before? As announced by who? We should be able to go backward into the prophets and find this information. This is a mystery, something that has not been revealed by God, has been concealed in the past, and has been proclaimed by the prophets, is what he says. But now that's going to be ultimately revealed, you said, when the seventh angel sounds the trumpet. So when we get to chapter 11 and verse 15, notice verse 15 of chapter 11, it says, Then the seventh angel blew the trumpet. And you're supposed to know what that means. Because everything right here in chapter 10 is telling you when that happens, then everything that we're about to look at is going to take place. We're waiting for that seventh angel to blow the trumpet. Okay. All right. Are we okay about that? Questions about that so far? Right now, just the setup. Here's our angel. Here's what he's saying. 
We're about to unveil something that's been a mystery in the past. That mystery has been spoken of by the prophets. We should be able to go back to the prophets and find that information of that mystery being proclaimed. And that will fully be then uh, completed or will be fulfilled when the seventh angel blows the trumpet. So far, so good. All right, good. There'll be a test later. Good job. All right. You could probably want to just have your hand or if you're in a device bookmark, we're going to have to flip back and forth to compare these things. Uh, Revelation uh, 10 and Daniel 12 are going to be our two spots where we're going to be kind of flipping back and forth. So let me read some of Daniel 12. And hopefully you'll hear a lot of similarities and a few differences. Revelation 12. Let's, oh, sorry, Daniel 12. Yeah, you're going to have to follow me on that. I'm going to to butcher that. If I'm in 12, it's Daniel. If I'm in 10, it's Revelation. (laughs) Daniel 12. Daniel 12, verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others, one uh, one on this bank of the stream and the other on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, how long... Shall it be to the end of these wonders? Okay, stop there a minute, because remember, we looked at back in verse 4, Daniel's being told the things that you've been told in these prophecies are not now, but he says there in verse 4, seal up the book until the time of the end. It's going to be later that this stuff is going to unfold. Now, this is a little bit more detail about that. So verse 6 of Daniel 12, how long shall it be? Till the end of these wonders. Verse 7 I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time that when and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard. But I didn't understand. So here's Daniel. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. All right. So I want to notice some of the the parallels and pictures that we're getting between the two, because uh, I think it is fascinating to see these connections. So. We have in the Revelation account, in Revelation 10, we're told we have an angel who raises their hand and swears by him who lives forever and ever. You will notice in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 7, it sounds like we have the same angel. They're doing the exact same actions. They're standing on the waters. They're raising their hands. They're telling an oath before the one who lives forever and ever. And it would make sense since Revelation said... This is what was spoken of by the servants, the prophets. Well, here's a place where we see this angel carrying out the same the same activity. But notice the time marker that is that is given in in Daniel after in verse seven. It says after by saying, no, swear by him who lives forever and ever. How long will it be? Daniel 12, seven time, times and half a time. So. What you're seeing in Daniel is the angel saying, 
There's going to be this time period. Time, times, and half a time is going to go by. And then you remember, you'll notice in verse 9, after Daniel in verse 8 doesn't understand, it says in verse 9, we're going to seal it up till the time of the end. This is all going to be later down the road. Go your way, Daniel. You don't need to worry about this. This isn't going to be in your lifetime. This isn't going to be in your generation. It's sealed up to the time of the end. It's going to be a time, times, and half a time. Now go over to Revelation 10. How long did the angel say there? He takes the oath who swears, and swears by him who lives forever and ever. What's the time marker? All right, but he gives something in particular about the time that, that's given there. Back in verse 6, he swears by him who lives forever and ever, who created what is in it, earth and there sees what it. Okay, there's no more delay. So in Daniel, there is delay, right? In Daniel's account, it's, don't worry about it, Daniel, later on, time of the end, time times half a time. Now this angel reappears in Revelation 10, and now the, this angel takes all the same oaths, does all the same actions, stands in the same place, but this time says something different. This time the angel says, there's not going to be any more delay. Now it's going to happen. And as we mentioned, you, you see there in verse 7, the explanation that the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. Now go back to Daniel 12 and let's see what he says there. In Daniel 12 and verse 7. So after he takes the oath in verse 7, in the middle, it would be a times, time, half a time. And now what does he say is the event? The shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. Notice, then all these things will be finished. So think about what's, what's being pictured right here. The angel in Daniel's day takes the oath and says, here's what's going to happen. Down the road, times, time, and half a time, the shattering of the power of the holy people is going to occur. And when that happens, that'll be the fulfillment of the things that have been talked about. And we've spent some time in the book of Daniel talking about how one of the events that is described in this book is a judgment against Jerusalem. You see that in Daniel 9, you see that in Daniel 11, you see that it being described here, the shattering of the power of the holy people. If you are in Daniel's day and you speak about the holy people, who would you be talking about? The Jews. So you have to be talking about them. That's, that's, that's going to be who's in their ears at that time. Now you roll forward and the angel pops back up and says, same oath, but we're not going to wait anymore. What was said about this event by the prophets, we're not going to wait. It's going to happen when the seventh angel blows the trumpet. When that, when that trumpet sounds, then all these things will be fulfilled. In fact, notice the wording there, verse 7, the mystery of God would be fulfilled. Did Daniel understand what the angel was saying in Daniel 12? No. No. So it would be fair to say it was a mystery to him. <laughs> he doesn't understand what's going on. And God's answer is, 
Not for you to know. Not going to tell you. Go your way. You're all right. It's going to be later. Time, times, and half a time. It's going to be in the, in, in the latter times. You just don't worry about it. So here is this mystery that's been sitting here that Daniel doesn't understand. He says, I wanted to understand, but I didn't have anything to understand. God didn't tell me. It was just set up for later. And so now you have in this section, this picture of the angel now saying, it's going to happen. So when the seventh angel sounds his trumpet, what should we expect to be reading about? Destruction of the holy people. Because that's what Daniel 12 said. And we have the same angel taking the same oath and just noting a different time marker instead of times, time, and half a time. No more delay. What was a mystery is now being fulfilled. What is it going to be? The shattering of the power of the holy people, just like the prophet said. So as I, I mentioned to you, well, boy, was that on Sunday class or Wednesday class? I don't know. Uh, we, uh, the last Wednesday class I did with you, we did an overview of Revelation. So we, that's now in a blunder in my head after vacation. Um, we talked about how there are things that I think in the book of Revelation, this was the Wednesday class, so you all are ahead, ahead on this. There are things in Revelation that I think you can put a, a flag in and say, I can tell by these terms that I know what we're talking about. And I, I've noted to you in Revelation 6, 7, 8, and 9, it hasn't clearly stated who are we talking about. It hasn't said, I am bringing judgment on fill in the blank. hasn't said it. It just keeps using partial judgments and whole judgments, but it's never said who. And now in chapters 10 and in chapter 11, if we get that far, we'll start 11, um, you start being told who we're talking about in this section. And this is your first flag to stick down and go, well, the angel in Daniel 12 said it was a shattering of the holy people. And now here is the angel saying, we're not going to wait anymore. Now that's actually going to happen when the seventh angel sounds the trumpet. Okay. Questions about that. Thoughts about that. Concerns about that. Rebukes about that. <laughs> but I think the angel comparison is really key. When you see that angel reappear, you should go, oh, I've seen that guy before. <laughs> I know him. I've seen him before. He was at the end of Daniel and he was saying certain things about what was going to happen later on about, about events that were going to take place being sealed up to the time of the end. Charlotte? Yeah, you have some similarities even with Ezekiel. In fact, the actions that you're going to read about in verses 8 and 9 and 10 come directly out of Ezekiel as well uh, about eating scrolls. That's a, that's an Ezekiel thing. Um, but any questions with this so far? Yeah, Jan. Are you trying to now study Daniel with me? Come on now. <laughs> what is your question? Well, I think he's understanding that uh, there is the destruction of his people that's going to happen. And, and I think that's what verse 1 is validating, is that there's going to be a time of trouble that has not been and never ha has been, which... Fun, fun fact, you might remember Jesus comes along and says the same thing in Matthew 24 and Luke as well about 
a destruction that has never been or will ever be. They're, they're connecting as well and using that same terminology. So he's understanding that there's going to be a, a judgment and a persecution of his people, but he wants to know when, how, details, explanations, and, and God's going, no. <laughs> That's all just sealed up till later. It's too far away. Don't worry about it, Daniel. You'll be dead by then. You just go. I love the words. Go your way, Daniel. You just go on and relax and enjoy life. Uh, It's not going to be affecting you. It's going to be to the time of the end. Okay. We'll talk about time, times, and half a time in chapter 11. I'll I'll bring that part back because that comes up in chapter 11. Mike. And it was hard for them to understand on a, because that's pretty consistent in the scriptures. If you think about in Habakkuk's day, as God looks, oh God, as Habakkuk looks around at his own people and prays to God, we're a mess. You, you need to do something. And, and God goes, you're right. I'm going to bring up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. They're going to wipe them out. And, and then Habakkuk goes, wait a minute. <laughs> We need to be judged, but it's going to be like that. And you're going to use a wicked nation like the Babylonians to judge us. And you're going to destroy the temple and, and, and do all that it was very hard to comprehend such that Habakkuk just has to basically say, I'm going to trust God here because that's what God said. This is where you get the line for the righteous live by faith. This, you're just going to have to trust God in, in understanding this. By the way, the same thing happens with Jesus disciples. In Matthew 24 or in Luke 21, or if you want the Mark account, whichever one, all three of those accounts, Jesus just flat out says there's not going to be one stone left upon another with this temple. And they don't go, oh, okay, that's cool. They're just like, what? (laughs) Well, when's this going to be? And what are the signs of all of that? You've got to explain more, more to us with that because it's such a big deal Because as we've been doing in our Ezekiel study on Sunday nights, when you destroy temple, that's the end of worshiping God. That's the end of atonement. That's the end of forgiveness. That's the end of prayer. That's the end of accessing God. That's the end of your whole way of everything with God. That temple was everything. And for God to destroy it is just... And so here's Daniel going... You're going to shatter the power of the holy people? I, I don't understand. It's important to remember Daniel's in exile, too. Yes. To be told you'll be coming back, and then it will be destroyed again. Yeah. Really then. Yeah. But I was thinking, too, it, it's important for us to remember that the first century Christians would have been deeply rooted in all of that, mm-hmm. all of the prophets. So this yep. would have made sense to them in yes. those terms. So when we come, when people come back now and they say, "Well, it must have been 
some mystery that's difficulty in interpretation. Right. They're preaching from the prophets right. to tell them about Christ. Yeah, we're the ones that are hamstrung because we don't know Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Zechariah. We, we, we don't know those books like the back of our hand. And that's why I think there's 100,000 different interpretations of the book of Revelation is because you just want to read this book and not go back and go, okay, what did the prophet say since the angel said it was what the prophet said? you got to go back there and know what the prophet said. And here's what the prophet said. It's going to be the shattering of the power of the holy people. So that has to be part of our equation. By the way, then, if I can help out our time markers when i started the book and i noted those first three verses of chapter one it said that the time is soon and things must shortly take place would this be something that would have shortly taken place if you're singing the first century absolutely that helps our time marker to the book as i mentioned when we stood there i said would 400 years be soon to you would 2000 years be soon to you would it's, it's, it's not. It has to be something that is viable to their lifetime, Jen. No, it's fine. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else with that section? Because the next paragraph is very important. Lest you think this is all about Jerusalem. That's wrong. <laughs> all right. Well, look at, look at verses uh, eight, 8 through uh, 11. What are the, what's the instructions now given to to uh, John, I'm not thinking of Daniel now. We're back with John. <laughs> Instructions given to John. Eat the, scroll. eat the scroll. Okay, well, that's that's not uncommon either. He's going to eat the scroll. What's it going to taste like? Why is it going to be sweet? So that's, that's a, a, a vivid Old Testament image, right? Psalm 19. Uh, there's all kinds of places in Scripture that talks about uh, the word of God is sweet, it's a delight, it's a joy, it's pleasant. So you're getting that kind of imagery. But what else is going to happen after he eats it? Bitterness in his stomach. Why? It's, a, it's, it's not pleasant what you're going to read. I mean, we are reading about the people of God suffering. We are reading about judgments. We are reading about doom. Remember, we're reversing back to chapter 6, that fifth seal under the altar where the people of God are crying out, how long? And the answer is until more of the people of God are killed. So these things that you're going to hear about are not going to be, you know, uh, rainbow unicorns and pillows and all of that it's it's disturbing is the idea yes it's the word of god it's sweet but it's disturbing to read uh what what's what's going to happen and so that's the the very thing that you see happening is verse 10 he says that it was sweet to his mouth but it became bitter in his stomach now notice the final message of this chapter because it is very important that we don't blow by it what's he now instructed to do Okay. All right. If you start talking about peoples, nations, languages, and kings, are we talking about the Jewish people anymore? No. Uh, we, we still have Gentile prophecies that have to happen here. If you turn around and say, okay, here's what's going to happen. When the seventh angel blows his trumpet... The things that I talked about back there with the servants, the prophets that were concealed, that were a mystery, they're all going to be fulfilled. Okay? 
Now eat this scroll. And I now want you to go and prophesy more. I want you to do another prophecy. Again is the words used. And when you do this time, I want you to prophesy to nations, languages, peoples, Gentile picture that is being given. And this is why I've spent so much time harping on the book of Daniel. There is also in Daniel not only the shattering of the power of the holy people. Who else is being destroyed and judged in the book of Daniel? The, the Roman Empire, the fourth empire. Remember Daniel chapter 2, you have the statue with the four empires. The lower one is reflected as the Roman Empire. The stone comes and shatters it, becomes a great mountain. Daniel 7, the fourth terrifying beast. And he's the one that's described as shattering the power of the holy people in Daniel 7. Then the beast is judged and, and, and dealt with. Same thing in Daniel 9, in the vision of 70 weeks, it says that it's going to destroy sanctuary and city, Jerusalem and temple. But then if you carefully catch the end of Daniel 9, it says, and then there's going to be a desolation poured out on the desolator. The one who destroyed is going to be destroyed. It makes sense for John's message to be, Judgment of Jerusalem as well as a judgment on the Roman Empire because those are the two things that Daniel said had to happen. And when you were seen in the first century, those are the two things that had not happened yet. Those are the two things that were still outstanding that had to be dealt with. And so this is a very important point. Now, here's something I think is important. And I think I've said this before. Maybe it was the Wednesday night though, so I don't know. <laughs> Um, most interpretations of the book of Revelation say what you have in chapters 6 through 11 culminate with a final destruction, whether you're a Jerusalem person or a Roman Empire person. And then in chapter 12 through chapter 18, those events are just retold. And so I'm looking at this saying, I see this saying, I'm not giving you a retelling, but we're moving on to another object. That I have told you the destruction of one, the shattering of the power of the holy people. But now there are nations, peoples, languages that now need to be prophesied against. And I think if you know the book of Habakkuk, it's a great parallel. Here's Habakkuk. We need to judge my people, Israel, because they're wicked. God says, you're right. I'm going to judge them. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians, Chaldeans. Habakkuk raises his hand and goes, wait, wait. They're wicked too. <laughs> You've got to do something about them. And God responds, you're right. I'm going to do something you won't believe. I'm going to deal with them too. Well, that matches here. Who destroys Jerusalem? Romans. Wait a minute, aren't they worse than us? Yeah. Okay, is God going to let them go? No. I'm going to deal with them too. And so this is setting up that trajectory of, I'm going to get the people who are responsible. In the first century, who are the primary persecutors of the people of God? The Jews. That's what you're reading about in the book of Acts. Who's dragging Paul out, stoning him, leaving for dead? Who's, running, who's, who's destroying them? It's the Jews. But... That's going to shift. 
Who's going to become persecutors of the Christians second, third, fourth centuries? Roman Empire is. God's going to deal with them too and take care of that problem. So the book is laying out that trajectory. And when we get to chapter 13, you're going to see who's the one that used the Roman Empire, but the dragon, Satan. And God goes, yeah, I'm going to take care of him too. <laughs> and so you see him dealt with in chapter 20. Uh, so the book is, is catching a flow like that. All right, so this is your chance for questions and trying to sort all this out. Don't, don't want to leave anybody behind. And it, by the way, if you have a question, there are certainly 20 other people in the room that do. Okay, so feel free to ask your questions. Mike? Is the abomination of desolation actually turned into the Roman Empire? Yeah, the abomination of desolation is in, in Daniel 9, and, and you have that idea. That's right. And, and, and Jesus uses that. We will have to do Matthew 24, right? Because they're, they're so interconnected. But... Yes, Jesus is going to talk about, when you compare it to the Luke account, in Matthew's account, he says, when you see the abomination of desolation, as spoken by the prophet Daniel, parenthesis, let the reader understand, (laughs) like, you need to know your Bible, (laughs) you need to know your your Daniel message, then you need to run to the hills, you need to to get out, which, by the way, I've always cracked up, if that's the end of the world, what's running to the hills going to do for you? can't be talking about that I'm, I'm always mystified by that what will running to the hills do for the end of the world it's not talking about that yes the abomination of desolation now here's here's a way to know exactly what that is because if you know daniel what was daniel talking about the shattering of the power of the holy people by that fourth empire or for us Gentiles, you read the Luke account, and it doesn't read when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not be, as spoken by the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Luke just says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. Ah, this Gentile mind understands that a whole lot easier. And Matthew written more to a Jewish audience, Luke more to a Gentile audience. That's the same thing. That's the same thing. Essentially, when what Daniel spoke of, of the Roman Empire coming and judging, you need to get out. You need to run. And that's what Luke then specifically says. And that's what this front end of Revelation is talking about. All right. Other questions, rebuttals, arguments? Yep, go ahead, Kathy. The eating of the scroll is like what you see with um, with Ezekiel. So if you eat the scroll and it's in your mouth and it's in your body, there's an imagery. So what's going to come out of your mouth then? God's word. That, that's the imagery. Is You're going to go say more of God's prophetic words now, not only to what you've just spoken, but you've got more of God's prophetic words to say to the Gentiles. So in Ezekiel's commissioning, before he even prophesies, he's told, eat the book, eat the scroll, and go and prophesy. This is almost like saying the book is not done. When the seventh angel sounds the trumpet, don't close the book and go, well, that was the only thing we were talking about. Go prophesy now about Gentiles. Go about peoples, nations, and languages. There's more to be said. Here's another scroll for you to eat to go speak more things about the things that that are to come. So to me... To me, it's hard for me to see only one object of God's wrath because of this. 
If, if chapters 12 through 18 are just a repeat and a rerun of the same event from a different perspective, but it's just the same judgment again, whether you were a Jerusalem person or a Roman Empire person, I don't care, you have to say it's a repeat. This doesn't sound like a repeat. It says, here's a scroll, eat it, now go prophesy again, more. We've got more to say, more, more prophecy to happen. So it's not rerun, more to say. Uh, to me, that has to be be dealt with if it's a single object of, of God's wrath, Jim. Okay, uh, then you're not the only one, so let me try to help. Did you not say that, that verses 5 through 6 were not talking about Jerusalem? In, where? In Revelation or Daniel? In, where am I at? Daniel. In Daniel 12? Yes. <clears throat> Okay, where am I? Revelation 10, 5 through 6. So in Revelation 10, 5 through 6, it's the same angel taking the same stand, taking the same oath, but not saying time, times, half a time, but no more delay. So the same event, which in Daniel 12 was shattering of the power of the holy people. That's what I'm talking about. It is. It's just it is. That's Jerusalem, right. The shattering of the power of the holy people would then be, be dealt with. Which, when you get to chapter 11, you'll notice that that's exactly what the first thing is talked about. Is the holy city is trampled by the Gentiles for 42 months. Okay, well what's the holy city? I, I don't know another city to call the holy city in chapter 11 but that. But you see that's specifically stated in chapter 11 verse 2. So, terrible chapter break right there, but... I mean, that's exactly where he goes, it, and it's exactly what the angel of Daniel 12 said. So does that clear it up? That it's yeah, definitely Jerusalem, definitely the Jewish nation, definitely the temple, because that's what Daniel's confused by. That's what the angel says, shattering of the power of the holy people, and specifically described there, the holy city, chapter 11, verse 2, trampled for 42 months. I don't think we're going to get there today, but maybe we'll see. In six minutes? Probably not. Charlotte? I think it's kind of interesting that they're called the holy people. Yeah, well, because they are the holy people. They're God's people. They they went away from that. Well, I mean, in an absolute sense, they never were, since we've read in the book of Ezekiel that they had their idols in Egypt, told Moses, we don't want to go with you, and, you know, God dragged them out kicking and screaming and saved them anyway. Uh, But, yes, because they had been chosen by God, designated as the holy people, and Jerusalem was designated the holy city, but... Yes, as we've seen in our Sunday night studies with Ezekiel, they, they lost holiness a long time ago, but uh, they certainly were given that, that term. All right, you're, you're so far so good. Chapter 11 may, may help. We'll, well, we can start a little bit of it. <clears throat> um, chapter 11 in verse 1, there's given, I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out. It will be given over to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. All right. So measure the temple. Measuring is, is an interesting picture in the prophets because that doesn't necessarily tell you if that's good or not. It depends on your behavior because when God is measuring, he's measuring to see if you measure up. 
Now that might be okay and that might not be okay. That depends on how you're doing. Sometimes God measures and goes, ooh, <laughs> you're woefully short. And sometimes God measures and goes, all right, yeah, you're my people. Good, you're, you're, you're set. So uh, I think that's an interesting picture that, all right, we're going to measure the temple. But you'll notice that it's described as the worshipers. And in the New Testament, the temple just is very consistent as, as a reference to the people of God. And not only in places like First and Second Corinthians, but remember back in Revelation 3 and verse 12 is that you have a description of Christians, the servants of God. They're called the temple. They're, they're the temple of the living God. And then you probably know those First and Second Corinthians. Pat, don't you know that you're a temple of the living God? We, we, we have that description as the people of God. So I think that that idea of measuring, and by the way, here's a couple of places where that's okay. Like in Ezekiel 40 and verse 3, Ezekiel's told he's going to measure the temple in that grand um, temple sequence that we'll get to here in just a couple of weeks that we're almost done with Ezekiel, if you can believe that. Um, but you're going to see that measuring happen. Zechariah does the same thing in terms of a, of a measuring. Uh, and so you're measuring them to determine... Who's, who's protected? Who belongs? This is very similar to the ceiling that we saw back in chapter 7. We're identifying who belongs to God. Measure those who belong to me, the temple, and those who are there worshiping me, those who belong in that temple complex. But, but don't measure, measure the courtyard. And what does it say is going to happen to the, the outside there, outside the temple? What's going to, they're going to be, it's going to be given over to who? Nations. When you read nations, who's that? Gentiles. Okay, that's outsiders. It's you know, the nations, the Gentiles. And what are they going to do? Trample what? The holy city, Jerusalem. So again, and I've told some of you, I, I grew up with Roman Empire only. I, that's where I, I came from. My dad taught my, me that. My dad's a preacher. You know, so I'm, I'm with you if this is new. But that's, that's a picture I can't get around. Trample the holy city. Anybody standing in the first century is going to hear the holy city as Jerusalem. That, that's got to be who we're talking about right here. So yeah, the Roman Empire destruction is to come. Did not throw out the baby with the bathwater. It's in this book. It's all of chapters 12 through 18. It's all there for sure. But right here, seal the people of God, temple, Trample the holy city uh, for forty two for forty two months. I think what's interesting is you are now getting, and this happens a few times in the New Testament, where we are having a distinction made between who are the true spiritual remnant Israel and what is just simply physical Israel. The Apostle Paul described that, like in Galatians four as well as in Romans nine. Not all Israel is true, true Israel. Remember in, in the allegory that Paul tells, there is the Mount Sinai, and that refers to present Jerusalem. And then there is Mount Zion, and that is spiritual or heavenly Jerusalem. There are those distinctions now being made of who's truly the people of God. Um, I put Revelation 2.9 in there because I think that's important. Remember in Revelation 2.9, when we were in the seven churches of Asia, it talked about those who are claiming to be of God but are not, they are a synagogue of Satan. Like they, they say they're Jews, they're not really God's people. 
So that's Revelation 2.9. So you're having the book of Revelation start wedging here between, all right, it's not about just being physical Jews. It's about who's truly the people of God. And that separation is going to be going to be made. Let me pull up this text. We'll have to come back to this because there's only one minute left. But I want you to notice the similarities. And I'll, I'll reread this, um, Lord willing, next week. Luke 21, 20. This is, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, Matthew's account. When the abomination of desolation is standing where it not not be, as spoken of by the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Note that the desolations come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Why Judea? Because it's Jerusalem we're talking about as the destruction. Let those who are inside the city depart. Let not those who are out of the country enter in. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. That sounds like what the angel said about the mystery of God and what the prophets were talking about needs to be fulfilled. Alas, for the women who are pregnant in those days, nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth, wrath against this people, this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among the nations. Notice now the exact same terminology right here of of Revelation 11 2. Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. What did Revelation 11 2 say? Given to the nations, trample the holy city. Exact same term, exact same wording. Talking about the same thing. All right. so we'll come back to that, but I want you to see what Jesus said in that section is mirroring this section, which shows we're tracking correctly that we're seeing Jerusalem as the object of God's wrath. That's the exact wording that, that's used there. Holy city is the holy city. It is Jerusalem. It is to be trampled by the Gentiles. It is supposed to be the fulfillment of what the prophets, prophets talked about. All right, write down all your questions. Bring them back next week. 15-minute break, reconvene at 10.30. Thank you, everybody. We'll pick up right here. Actually, we'll pick up where we were just four minutes ago, <laughs> and we'll continue on. Thanks, everybody.